Grace and peace, everyone, and welcome to KNEC Sermons, a podcast of Kurt Newton and East Calder, Church of Scotland. And let's listen to today's episode. Hello, everyone, on this third Sunday of Easter 2020. And I'm recording this before the Sunday, looking at the readings ahead for this week. And sitting in the sunshine and the wind outside, and it's it's unusually quiet. Usually, you can hear traffic from the the A seventy one and and airplanes going overhead, but there's none of that in this time of lockdown. And so the bird song appears to be louder because we can hear it more clearly, and the wind seems louder too. And I wonder what it is God is saying through all of this. We can find hope in God and hope in God's word. And so we turn to God's word and the the gospel reading for this Sunday in Easter, the Easter season, is the Walk to Emmaus. We can find that in Luke chapter 24 and I'm going to read that and then we'll reflect on some of the things that are certainly jumping out to me in this passage. And through which God, I think, is speaking to me and hopefully to you too, and to all of us. So let's listen for God speaking through God's word. Chapter 24 of Luke and verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles out of Jerusalem. Of course, that same day being the day on which Jesus rises from the dead in glory. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Suddenly, Jesus himself came along and joined them and began walking beside them. But they didn't know who he was because God kept them from recognising him. You seem to be in a deep discussion about something, he said. What are you so concerned about? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had thought he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. That all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told him Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, Jesus' body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You are such foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining what all the scriptures said about himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus would have gone on, but they begged him to stay the night with them since it was getting late. So he went home with them. As he sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it, broke it, then gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened. 
and they had recognised him, and at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts feel strangely warm as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem, where the eleven disciples and the other followers of Jesus were gathered. When they arrived, they were greeted with a report. The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. It strikes me, several things strike me about this passage. One is that Jesus appears to them as a stranger. They don't recognise him. How often God has appeared to us in the guise of the stranger and we didn't recognise him. I don't know about you, but I can think back over my life times where, well, yes, I think I missed God in the in the guise of the stranger because I wasn't anticipating or expecting God to appear that way, God to move that way, God to use that person, God to speak through that voice. We mustn't rule out who God chooses to speak through and who he chooses to present himself to us. Let's be open to the possibility that God can speak through each and every one of us, even the hardest of heart. Nothing is impossible with our God. And God, in whose image each and every part of creation, created being, is made, particularly as human beings, we cannot therefore exclude the possibility that God will manifest God's self in and through his creation. Jesus calls these two disciples foolish and slow of heart. When we exclude the po- when we don't anticipate the possibility of God appearing in God's creation, then we are foolish and we're slow of heart. We risk not seeing the fullness of what God has determined. And interestingly, from all of this, Jesus, in explaining to these two disciples who the Messiah was, tells us about the necessity of suffering before entering glory. I know that many of us at the moment are feeling as if they are going through suffering. It's difficult. If you've lost loved ones, if you're seeing family members suffering as a result of this disease, it must be very, very difficult to to see that and not to be suffering. Suffering is part and parcel of the human condition. And Jesus says that it was necessary for him to suffer before entering glory and he points to the scriptures of old no doubt he's thinking well he's talking about the the scriptures of Moses and beyond we know that in the book of Isaiah for example there are at least three if not five occasions where the Lord's suffering servant is mentioned and of course that famous passage from Isaiah 52 53 which talks about um, that he he was disfigured and uh, he carried our burdens and uh, he was despised it is rightly associated with the life of Jesus. 
suffering was a necessary part of what Jesus did through his life and through his death. And of course, in his resurrection, he shows how suffering is transcended, is overcome, and that ultimately we can have hope because our hope lies in the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and spiritual presence of Christ amongst us. We have in us the living hope. We have in us the power of resurrection. We have in us the ability, the courage to transcend all suffering. It's not to say that we don't suffer in the flesh, because we do. And we grieve, and we hurt, and we pain. But we can look forward to a time of resurrection where we will come through the other side of this and there will be glory. Suffering necessitates glory or glory necessitates suffering. It has to precede the times of glory. In many ways it's a mystery, we don't understand why. But if, if the life of Jesus is the way that we are to live, then our lives are going to include suffering before we see glory. Jesus opened the scriptures to these disciples, the scriptures that had spoken about himself and his life. What I love about this passage is that Jesus, the risen Christ, seems to be so available. He is there with them on the journey of life, the road to Emmaus, and he's waiting to be invited. When they get to the place where the disciples were staying, he makes as if to go on, but they invite him to come in. They've, they've witnessed something, they've felt something, divine something holy in this conversation on the road, and they want more of it. And they want him to stay. They don't want to move away from his presence. And Jesus waits as if to, to, to be invited. He doesn't push himself, invite himself. The, Luke tells us that the disciples urged him strongly to stay. And in that, when, we, when our hearts are open to inviting God's presence to be with us, then we can see Christ revealing Christ's self in the everyday acts of breaking bread. Breaking bread, of course, is a, a necessary part of human survival day to day. A daily intake that needs to bring sustenance for the body. And we see in the simple task of Jesus which we now commemorate as a special occasion, if you like, but my sense is that this was very much an everyday uh, symbolic sense of the presence of God with these disciples in their lives. The presence of God in Christ with us now. He lives and abides in us and with us and through us as we are open to his presence and invite him to be with us and to teach us 
and to suffer with us and to follow him. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I felt as if I've had a, a close presence with God and my heart has been burning, uh, just as those disciples felt their hearts burning on the road as he talked to them and as he opened up the scriptures. And, oh Lord, for such a love of your presence and your word that our hearts would burn with a hunger for your presence and would get rid of the dross in our own lives, the things that hold us back, the attachments that we don't need, the hammocks that need to die, all these things that we need to bring to the cross and to lay down and to surrender so that the life of Christ, the risen, powerful, spirit-filled life of Christ will lead us on through suffering into glory. Graham Kendrick wrote a song, uh, Knowing You, Jesus, and, and in it he talks about, oh, to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you, Lord. That is our prayer. That is our hope. That is our life. Somebody this week sent uh, a writing by Marlon Baker. She wrote a song called All I Want To Do. And in, in it she said, all I want to do is bless you. And to me there is no other. To me you are the pearl of great price. How I long to be with you. She wrote these words as if God was speaking to you directly today. So take these words to yourself as words from God. All I want to do is bless you. To me there is no other. To me you are the pearl of great price. How I long to be with you. You were made in the image of God. You can, sh you can know the thoughts of God's heart. You're not meant to live apart from God. And one day we will know completely in the joy and the peace and the love of everlasting life and love. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love never fails, that love overcomes all things. Love will get us through this time of suffering. Love will lead us into glory. Love will help us to see things though at present we see imperfectly, dimly, as if through a glass darkly, love will help us to see things with clarity and to know as if knowing God face to face. Our God, even through this time, is making all things new. Even through this time of crisis, of COVID-19, coronavirus, even in these days, God is making all things new. He's making your life new and my life new and all things new. And our prayer might be, Lord, open our eyes as you open the disciples' eyes to see you and to know you, to experience breakthrough and to 
live in wholeness with your prayers presence with us in Jesus name we pray Amen grace and peace everyone thanks for listening everyone you've been listening to KNEC Sermons you can find more information on our website www.knec4jesus.org.uk look forward to hearing and seeing you again grace and peace